Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics. My guest today is Zoe Thompson. She's a life and well-being coach, a career she started back in 2005 when she rose from the ashes after a tragedy close to home, created a very much needed catalyst for change. In the following years, she worked on rebuilding herself mentally and physically, resulting in her being named Britain's second strongest woman in 2016. Zoe combines both personal and professional experience and training to help people make profound and lasting change, unlocking minds and lives so that they can create the tomorrow they want while learning to love their today. I love that. Hello, Zoe. Welcome to Back to Basics. Hi, thank you for having me on. Well, I'm very excited. You know, as I always say, every story, it's so captivating. And, you know, when I did the research, I'm sure everybody, it's... um, curious with me as to learning more about your journey, because it definitely sounds like you've been through a lot. So I do know you're in England. Tell me about your early years. Were they there? Where were you born? What were you passionate about growing up? Yeah, so born born and bred in England. Never never had reason to leave the country. My, my dad lives in Cyprus okay. um, and has done for about 15 years now. But um, so I do go and visit him as much as I can. I love I love Cyprus. But yeah, fam- the rest of the family are all based here. So I grew up in England. I've always worked here. Uh, yeah, growing up. God, what did interest me? Sports interested me as a child. I was always you know, two hours, three hours after school on the hockey pitch or, Mm, you know, doing some kind of team sport. But yeah, I, yeah, growing up was um, pretty, pretty normal, pretty normal. Two parents, my parents divorced us, went in in my teenage years, but nothing, nothing too dramatic. So yeah, kind of fairly normal, normal childhood. Interesting. And then, then, so, you know, as you approach adulthood and, and I explore a lot in the, in, in this podcast about, you know, what we thought we wanted to do with what we ended up doing. Now you're, of course, a life coach. We know there was an event that changed it, but that transition from, you know, becoming a young woman, uh, did you uh, like place your bets on a career? What, what did you decide to do when you enter into adulthood? Well, I always wanted to be a police officer. Um, so my my mum and dad met as police officers. So I, I guess it felt like it was always kind of mapped out that that was that was what I would do. My mum's dad was also um, a police officer too. So I guess growing up, I really shared my dad's enthusiasm for the job that he did, and that was what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to go to university, didn't want to kind of really explore anything else. That was what I wanted what I wanted to do. So I left school at 18 with the intention of doing some roles in the police as a police staff, kind of civilian, um, get some experience, get some life experience and then apply. And I did apply, but I didn't get through Mm -hmm. about two. So when I was about 19, 20, didn't get through. And then shortly afterwards met my son's dad 
started uh, a family. And so my priorities changed a little bit, but I was really lucky. I worked for the police for 20 years in a civilian capacity. Although I was never actually a police officer, I did work for the police for 20 years and I did lots of jobs that police officers have always done. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very fortunate to have had lots of opportunities, even though I I never got to have the power of arrest, but everything else was exactly as police officers had done. So yeah, it didn't quite map out exactly the way that I had seen it, you know, foreseen it, but um, it wasn't far off. So, um, and I had 20 amazing years and did lots of different jobs that I probably wouldn't have been able to have done had I have actually gone through and been a police officer. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it worked out, to be honest. But that's nice. I, I think it was Steve Jobs that say you cannot connect the dots forward. You have to connect them backwards, right? So by hearing you say that, you like it sounds like that yeah. connection though you couldn't have never mapped it that way. And so you spent 20 years, it sounds like how did you decide to make this career change and help others achieve, you know, life and well-being and and just living a better life? It's, it sounds really different, doesn't it? When you look at the police service and, and what I do now, it, I guess on paper, it sounds very different, but actually there's quite a lot of similarities. So I had roles as a supervisor and manager. And actually the last couple of years that I was there, I had the role of a business change manager. So I was helping people work through change in a business environment um, and also had a secondary role as a self-development trainer. And it was that role, I think, that learning to be a self-development trainer, having the opportunity to be in a room with people who wanted to learn and develop and grow. I think that's the bit. I remember, I remember doing the course and getting to the Wednesday halfway through and going, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do this every day. It took a little while for that to work itself through, um, but I was made redundant in 2017. So it really presented me with that opportunity to be able to do it full time. So I took all of the best bits from managing and developing people and self-development and helping people through change and help people understand how they respond to things that happen to them and how they respond to change and create a full-time role in a business out of it. So it does sound really different, but so many of the tools and skills and experience that I had with the police service are all relevant today you know engaging with people listening to people understanding people asking lots of questions all all very relevant and and sort of transferable skills to what I do now mm, that, uh, that that's powerful and I know that a lot of you know I think even how you called your company Phoenix Life is like rising from you know the worst the darkest moment and obviously you share is part of your story who you are your brand is you know you underwent some big tragedy in your life would you be open to share some of that process yeah, yeah I'm not, I think it feels like so long ago and it also feels like yesterday all at all at the same time so uh, we lost a family friend in the London bombings mm. so a lot of people will have remembered 7th of July bombings in in London yes. um, and a friend of ours who she was my sister's best friend growing up but somebody who was always in our family home somebody who we were really close to fortunately was was killed in in one of the locations and what that did for me was it I'm not I wasn't happy I wasn't happy with where I was in life um I was in a relationship that I wasn't happy with I wasn't happy with myself in terms of my health my appearance the decisions that I was making the life that I was living 
all of it like, was not in a good place at all. But it's so easy to just kind of, well, it's not easy, but it's easy to deny that things are as bad as they are. And I think what happened for me was that was really a wake up call in terms of being at her funeral and thinking, okay, I can't hide. You know, I, I had hidden so much from so many people. There's something very strange about funerals of, you know, people talk about the person who's passed away looking down. And I felt really exposed. I felt like almost like there wasn't a place to hide. And I think just that realization that her life had been taken away from her and that I still had mine, I still had choices, I could still make that change, I could still do something different. And I remember going home from the funeral that day and saying, right, this is it. It's time, time to time to make some change, time to do something different. And it took took a long time after that. Um, it didn't definitely didn't happen straight away. It took a long time to be able to be in a position where I could make some changes. And then the the next couple of years after that was was a real personal journey for me in terms of the mental, physical, emotional kind of rebuild, which you know is why I chose Phoenix in terms of you know my business and branding because I knew that I couldn't go back to who I was before that person was was long gone but I wanted to build on where I was you know I wanted to kind of pick that up and grow rather than try and go back to somebody who didn't exist anymore so the phoenix for me was a really important message for me and it's you know you're rising from the ashes some of this needs to be left behind some of this is gone some of this is in the past and what where do you want to grow from this what do you want to create how are you going to come out of this stronger and it was you know it was a couple of years of kind of that rebuild you know it's amazing isn't it that I mean, I see this with clients now but it was certainly for me I didn't know how much energy I was investing in surviving mm. and it wasn't until I came out of that that I found I had energy and and all of this kind of energy and focus to put into building something that I did want something that was really important to me and yeah it all all like incredible things started to to happen but it was a, a few years of really kind of that focusing forward and kind of that rebirth regrowth yeah it was a, a long period of time but you, you kind of get caught up in it don't you and you just stay focused and stay focused on moving forward mm-hmm. That's sad. And I'm sorry about your friend. I, I unfortunately did lose one of my best friends. So not in a bombing. I lost her in a car accident at 17. But I can relate to that mm-hmm. kind of uh, survival guilt kind of uh, that has been, you know, I remember in her fu- funeral, I swore that I would leave for me and for her because mm-hmm. I was very aware that I now go on and I get and when I gave my birth to my kids, the first thought was always. Yeah for her, like I'm becoming a mom for you. And for me, every important step, because you realize we all get a little bit of that survival guilt when we feel somebody that should have been on that journey. You you lose an elder, you know, an older person, you kind of don't have that feeling. But when you're given the chance that someone else has been denied, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. And that, that for me, that I needed to take something positive from it. I needed to to make that promise to her but it was a promise to me so like every year now 7th of July I take myself on a long walk and I ask those questions like am I living the life that I want to live am I moving forward in the way that I want to move forward with 
would she be happy with what I'm doing right now and the decisions I'm making? And it's really important to me. I mean, I think it's important for everybody to have that check-in, but for me, it's that that's a way of, of using her memory to, to bring in something positive. And yeah, she didn't, she, you know, she doesn't have these opportunities. So I'm definitely going to take them in her memory. Well, that's beautiful. And I think that's unfortunately why that painful experience of uh, death and losing a loved one. And some some people, I do believe they're in in our lives to, and Mm -hmm. it could be even us, to wake up others just to realize what a gift. And And I love something you said. You said, I didn't know how much energy I was using in surviving. And I think that's really nugget of wisdom right there that is very powerful because one of the conversations I have the most with friends and people is like, where do you get so much energy? Where do you get so much energy? And to me, I'm not getting, like, I don't see it. I just do it. And I know you're big on from surviving to thriving. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a life coach, you know more about this than me, but do you think that, you know, that's something because you said, and I say, aha, that's probably where some people feel this drain of energy when they're investing in, in surviving and getting by rather than investing in, in something that makes them feel alive. Mm. I, don't, I think, I think for me, it's, uh, there's something about taking control that's not just empowering, but it's. I think the drain is quite often, it drains a lot quicker when it's not in alignment with what's important to us. And I think so much about survival is is not in alignment with our values, with our needs, with what, what we feel is important. And so it does drain us just so much more quickly. And I think once we make certain decisions and we empower ourselves to take ownership, to take control, we're driving forward, which is a different, it's a different type of energy. And I think it's, it's kind of riding the wave, isn't it? Rather than fighting the tide, you know, it's, it's just different, but I think it's so easy to get caught up in that momentum of repetition of just getting through each day and just kind of surviving the day and not making decisions that are in alignment with what's important. And I think once you get to make that shift, that's when things feel different. Even when things haven't yet changed and things are still the same, they're not different, but they start to feel different. And I think that for me is what's been really powerful. And certainly it's what I noticed with clients that I work with is that, you know, I literally spoke to somebody this morning and she said, things aren't different, but they feel different. They're the Mm. same, but Mm. they feel different. Mm -hmm. And that you know, sometimes we haven't made the changes yet, but we've started to change how we feel about it, how we think about it, how we choose to approach it. And that releases energy in Mm. itself. So I think it's definitely all connected. Yeah, no, I think your client gave another powerful nugget of wisdom right there. It's a tweetable moment, as Oprah would say, that (laughs) the things are the same, but they don't feel the same. That realization, you know, and, and... it's powerful. So I'm sure that, and I think by the story you share, of course, it was a traumatic event that pushed you to revisit. And I, and I don't know what I read, but that sometimes the universe has to take radical steps to make us move. Like when they, you know, that he hints it to us and he gives us the chance to do it smoothly and softly. And, you know, and they say, oh, I offer you a job, but then you don't take it, but you want to take it, but you're afraid of taking it. And then, and then you get laid off. 
And so mm-hmm. that's the universe saying, okay, now I've given you the chance. Now you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that goes to say that I, I do believe that we get the chance to take that first step many times. And, you know, yeah. we prevent it. So what would you say as a, as, a, as a life and well-being coach to that person that's listening to us right now and, and they haven't been, you know, thankfully radically pushing to doing something, but they're getting that kind of hints that they maybe should move to, to help them do that first step, take that first step? I would say make the smallest, make that first step as small as possible. Make it feel like it's something that is achievable. I think, I think a lot of people feel that the first step has to be this big significant change. And actually sometimes it is what we were just talking about, thinking about things differently, you know, trying to change how we feel about things. You know, it's a great quote, isn't it? That we can't always change or control the things that happen to us, but we can change how we respond to it. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not always a big size step that we need to make that makes things start to be different or feel different. So I think any change is is understandably uncomfortable. It's always going to be uncomfortable, but quite often where where you are is uncomfortable. So there's a very different feeling to being uncomfortable, but knowing that you're moving in a direction of where you want to get to, to being uncomfortable and being stuck. Mm. And so just that first step that feels like you're starting to take that journey and get that momentum going that it's, you, you know, lots of small steps still get you to the top of the mountain. You know, it doesn't have to be great, big, great big steps that are big and scary. Just bring it right down into a, a small enough step that feels achievable and it is going to be uncomfortable and it is going to be difficult and it is going to be different, but it is that first step in moving forward. And you kind of got to have your eyes on where you're going, not on where you've been. Mm. I like that. And and if and, and it's true what they say that any progress is success. If we yeah. learn to see it that way, that any progress, no matter how small that we make, it's success because you're not where you were. So you kind of unstuck yourself. That's yeah. that's powerful. And so in your experience in terms of your clients, where do you think people get stuck the most? Is it how we look? Is it the fact that we are negative, uh, you know, in nature, like we tend to see the, the, I mean, it's not everybody that sees the, the glass half full. I find myself, so that I'm that kind of person. I find myself fighting those that, <laughs> you know, they see the always half empty. I'm like, I'm wasting so much energy to say it's half full. And then you, you kind of keep going. And what it has worked for me has to find those that see it like I see it so that mm-hmm. I, get energy out of that rather than yeah. getting it drained from from trying to convince, you know, yeah, but it's really helpful. And and so what do you think people get stuck in terms of the in your experience in the work you do? I think it's I think it is the mental emotional because it's not always logical. I think in some things it's very easy, isn't it? It's like, okay, people know what they need to do and it's much easier to implement steps because it's a very logical process. If I need to do this, then I need to do this and then I need to do this. And I think what what certainly the conversations I have with people is understanding like how they feel about things or how their mind works about things because they can't always make sense of it. It's not always a logical explanation to why they think or feel the way that they feel. And I think that's where people get stuck. They get stuck trying to make 
sense out of something that doesn't always make sense. So I think a lot of the work and a lot of the conversations that I have with people is helping them to understand how we work as humans so that actually that's a very normal human response. We have a negative bias. You know, we have a natural tendency to look for the negative first because that's what keeps us safe and that's what keeps us alive. Our brains aren't designed to to be fulfilled and to be happy. That's not what the brain is there to do, but it's how we as humans want to function, but it's not what our brains are designed to do. So we do have the negative bias. We do look for the negative first because that's what keeps us safe. It's what keeps us alive. And I think helping people to understand that that's a very normal human response. What do you do next with that? So you recognize it, you call it out, and then you ask yourself that next question of, okay, is it is it fact or is it a feeling? Is it a thought or is it reality? You know, what is it that's going on? And that actually not everything can be rationalized. Sometimes it's a thought, it's a feeling, and just let it pass through. It doesn't need to be held on to. It might not serve a purpose. And sometimes we just need to let it go in one ear and back out the other and let it pass through and not not hang on to it. But I think that's the challenge for, for a lot of people. And I wish I had known as much as I do now when I went through all of this years ago, because I would have been able to have understood why and how and what was going on at that time. And I didn't. And, and I worked my way through it. But I probably would have got there a lot quicker had I known what I'd known today. But things happen for a reason. And maybe this was to put me on the path to understand these things so that I can help other people to understand it for themselves. So who knows? Absolutely. I I am a firm believer that it's all part of the journey. And, uh, you know, to say it and to live it is very, very different. Like, I do believe we are experiential in, Mm. in nature, like you you can say you know you can talk about motherhood but if you're not a mom you know until you're there and we can talk about somebody with substance abuse until you're there you don't understand exactly what they go through so yeah. so i do think that it's very powerful when you have somebody trying to guide you through a situation that they can really relate to they're not just mm-hmm. saying i know about this because i'm have a degree and I have a certificate on the wall. So it, it, it does say a lot. So is there anything, Zoe, that you're working on that is exciting to you that you want to share with the audience? I normally give my guests a chance to just share with uh, any anything interesting, anything any, anything that's Ooh. making you tick. I used to ask what, what makes you tick. Now I'm, I'm more like vibing tick. with the, what is making you tick these days? <laughs> Yeah, it's a great question. And I, 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 I love what I do. And, and actually, what I, a lot of what I'm doing at the moment is, is trying to simplify what I do and get that balance of, of living and, and working. And so now I don't, I don't have anything. I don't, do I have anything that would be of interest? No, I'm just doing what I do. You know, I think I just, it's a very fortunate position to be in when you look at the world as it is at the moment, I'll wake up in the morning I'm excited to have the calls that I have. You know, I'm excited to work with the people that I'm working with. I get to have conversations like this. And, you know, it's it's a very fortunate, fortunate position to, to be in. Maybe one day there'll be a book to promote or some, something to talk about, but there isn't. Well, but you know, it's <laughs> there a, isn't at the moment. The, and that's not, it doesn't have to be a book. Just the fact that you're, whatever you're doing right now makes you have that smile and makes you, because to me, that's how you inspire others. You know, mm. you, I, I, I have 
had many interviews where the person I'm interviewing is brilliant, but they're so busy that in that busyness, they get yeah. that, that you, you lose a little bit of that energy of, you know, yeah. getting people excited. So it's, as you say, it's the balance it's the challenge, even for uh, a coach, even for, and this is something I always highlight. It's not, nobody has, and admittedly, people say, I don't have the perfect formula. I'm here like helping people do this, but I struggle with that. And and and, and the point is we all struggle one way or the other. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're all a work, we're all a work in progress. And that's you know, one thing I'm always talking about with people that I work with, you know, it's like there's things I'm working on as well. And and I and I'm I can tell you now that once I think I've got that sorted, I'll be working out what I'm gonna work on next. It's just the it's just the way I am. But no, I I, I you know I enjoy conversations like this. I have um you know podcast and resources that I like to put out. I'm trying to write a little bit more at the moment, so more blogs. I think there's a real place at the moment for content that supports people who aren't maybe ready for coaching or ready to kind of take that step into training or coaching um sort of plans or, or that sort of level so i think at the moment i'm really trying to kind of help with putting some resources out there that can help people at that that, that first step you know the first step yes. resources and they're not yet ready to make any sort of changes that feel significant but they're ready to start exploring it they may be curious as to what what could be different um, so I'm, I'm working on that at the well, moment. There you go. You have the the name for your blog, the first step blog, taking first steps into I like something. That. Eh? It's less wrong with it. <laughs> I like I'll, I'll subscribe to it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I think people relate to it. And as I say, I think that's the biggest challenge is breaking that resistance. And we we know we have to move, but we know we resist. And it's uh, mm. and it's something that and I've told this story. I was lucky to have said go into in my podcast. And I, this podcast was born because of a set of one of his classes and it was about podcasting. And I always felt that little butterfly when I would get the email about it started. And, and I said, no, I don't have time. I don't have this. And I always my brain. And so I usually resolve those things, believe it or not, throwing a coin. But, you know, mostly not because I go and do what the coin says, but because I know what I wish for before the coin yes. lands. You know, it's an old fashioned yes. trick, but to me it works. And so I threw the coin and I knew I wanted it to say heads for yes. And of course, tails come out. <laughs> and, and, was, and I knew it was like it was, you know, the my inner self asking me to step up because I knew mm -hmm. so convincingly that I wanted to do it. And now I had to fight that resistance and take the credit card out and register to that <laughs> in the course. And that was almost 200 episodes ago. So, wow. you know, so that's that's how strong this resistance is. And even when you're paying attention to it and you can name it and you know it's there, that it still will try to sabotage you. So I, I, I yeah. do think that that help on the first step is, is, is a, a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. I'm, I am glad I did too. So, um, well, Zoe, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time for inspiring us with your story. And, uh, I really wish you the best and, and keep inspiring the world. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you everybody for tuning in and until the next episode. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. 
If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.